but I think it is necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Well, welcome to Kings. It's great that you've been able to join us online today. And I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak in uh, a new series, God's Plan for Wellbeing. And today I'm speaking on emotional health, emotional health. I don't know about you, I feel like we've been living in lockdown forever now. Uh, In fact, it's maybe, what, 10 or so months uh, from early March last year that the crisis started. And I don't know about you, we've been in some form of lockdown ever since. It did lift a little bit across um, the summer, which seems a long time ago. But particularly as we came into the winter, the different tiering system and and then hope for Christmas, but then not happening. And now in quite a strict lockdown. And we're very grateful that viruses have fallen. We're grateful the vaccine is rolling out. But we have been living in a very different type of uh, life experience, which has had a massive impact on our emotional and mental health. The last day I was in the office at King's was on the 16th of the 3rd, um, 2020. And I just thought I'm going to mark it. And I literally did. I went up to on, in my office. Uh, I have a big flip sort of board and I got my pen and I, I wrote the date, 16-3-20. And I left it there and I thought, I don't even know when the next time I'll be in the office. I've occasionally gone in to pick up some notes or a book, uh, but I haven't, really, I haven't worked in the office since, since then. And uh, I'm looking forward to the day when I can go in and I can scrub it out and put the date on that I returned. This recent life experience is so far from our experience of life to this point. I used to, as a part of my New Frontiers role, travel a lot. Lots of flights in any given year. At the moment... A long journey is a flight of stairs. I mean, such is the transition and change of just the rhythms of life. And if you're feeling a little low, oh, just that life's hard, you're in good company. Uh, because what we're experiencing isn't normal and therefore we shouldn't be surprised it's had some impact on our emotional health. Uh, a recent survey I read in preparation for this message said that this, this latest lockdown, people have found particularly hard. It says six in 10 Britons admit it is harder to stay positive in this lockdown. Because there's always a tension between the consequences of the lockdown and hope and what the future is looking like. 
And at the moment, there seems to be a little bit of a mixed message that there's hope that vaccination will give us freedom, but there's a lot of caveats and they're not, not as clear on timeline and people are finding that difficult. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we've lived with that, the up and down. Five days at Christmas, no, can't see loved ones. Not that you can't just see loved ones, but now even more strict lockdown. Um, and it's taken a toll on us. And we shouldn't be surprised. In fact, if you don't hear anything today other than this, listen, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Don't be too tough on yourself because this is, these are demanding days, friends. God's with us, God can help us, but they are demanding days. And if you just think you're going to walk through it without any challenge, then that's at best naive. Now, some are coping better than others. Uh, my parents, whenever I speak to them, they're doing really well. My mum and dad, as you know, are in their 80s, they're believers, and um, they're remarkably content people. I've thought a lot about that. I've talked with them about it. I said, look, Dad, your life started in, in the war. You, your first uh, sort of seven to um, nine years of his life were uh, a part of the war. And then, and then they lived through rationing. And so the very formative years, uh, those early childhood years, were shaped by war. You know, and at times my dad, when he was... Seven was sent away near the end of the war when the V2s were coming in. My uh, grandparents decided to send him away and he, he lived with another family for six months. And so, you know, if, you, if you've had that built into you, then when challenge comes at near the end of their life, because they're in their mid-80s now, so they're in their last decades or so, um, then after their initial adjustment, they've done really well. So if you're listening to this message and you're thinking, well, I'm okay, great. <laughs> I don't want to bring you down, but I want to be real that this has been a very demanding season for many of us. I had a, as some of you know, I had an operation at the end of last year. I'm doing really well, fully recovered. Um, and, but my doctor consultant, a brilliant consultant, I was very grateful to God for him. He said to me, I think we'll be dealing with a lot of depression in our nation in a year's time. As we come out of the crisis, the legacy of the emotional toll will be seen. It's very common, isn't it, to hear people say things like, I'm a little low, or actually, life's a bit boring, or it's a bit samey, it's mundane. Because what's happened is that through the crisis, some of the kind of not so fun bits of life have increased, and all the things that we enjoyed, the freedoms, the travel, the holidays, the meals, the family, just the things we took for granted have been taken away, and so, it's not surprising that it's taken its emotional toll. And that's why we feel this series is so, so relevant. Um, and I hope what I'm going to share today will help you. I chose this passage because I felt that it, actually you could say in these five verses that it, it, it encompasses the themes that we're teaching through the whole series. Because the Apostle Paul here um, covers, in these five verses, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, relational health, 
financial health and vocational health. So obviously Epaphroditus is not well. Uh, we'll see in a moment all the emotions involved. It's obviously in the context of one's spiritual health in Christ. You can see the relational love and tension between this apostolic team and particularly between Paul and Epaphroditus. The very purpose that Epaphroditus uh, came uh, to Paul was for financial help and to care for his needs. And there's vocational health, which is all about calling and purpose in life. And these are mighty men of God on mission uh, with, with real cost. So I think just in these few verses, you have all, all the subjects that we're looking at. Of course, I'm going to focus in on emotional health. But before I get into that, I just want to set some uh, a context into that important subject matter. And I want to take that from the first verse, verse 25, of the relationship between Paul and Epaphroditus. And I think what we see here is both Paul the Apostle and Paul the Pastor. Paul the Apostle and Paul the Pastor. And he describes his relationship with Epaphroditus. And he uses these wonderful phrases. He says, look, he's my brother. He's my fellow worker. He's my fellow soldier. And he's your messenger. And when I read that, what comes to mind for me is, the first is, he's my brother. It talks of warmth and friendship and love and uh, an intimate relationship, a family-like relationship. But it doesn't stop there. He says, look, he's a fellow worker, so we're about a great work together. And then he describes him as a fellow soldier, which sort of changes the tone that we're, we're in a battle here. And then he says, and he's your messenger. He represents you. You, you. you sent him to me. I think I want to say right up front, the goal of life is not happiness. Yeah? <laughs> and... Uh, when I was recovering from my operation, I decided to watch Band of Brothers again. If you've ever seen that, it's fantastic. I find it deeply moving. I mean, it's obviously brilliantly produced. Um, and it tells a story of a band of brothers, of soldiers uh, taking, uh, you know, D-Day and taking back occupied France. And, and you go through, and of course, these are soldiers. But you see the compassion they have for one another and the, the, the comrade spirit. And the sense of loss when one gets injured or dies. But there's something even greater than their well-being. And that is the cause they're involved in. And they realise that the cause is important. And it, 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 it's, it's not that they're not caring for one another. They very are. In fact, when you see the end of the film and they interview the actual people that are represented in the, in the series... It's deeply moving because all they do is you can see them well up with compassion for those that, their, their brothers that they lost. And so there's this remarkable tension between a cause that's worth fighting for and a cost worth paying and the humanity and empathy and a sense of compassion for lost friends in battle. And so the goal isn't happiness. Because there's a cause, there's character, there's cost. And the biblical word, I think, is contentment. That's what Paul goes on later in Philippians to talk about. He says, I've learned contentment in every circumstance. And I think at the moment, 
though I, I have and many of us are feeling a bit low and a bit, you've got to find contentment in Christ in the crisis. Now that said, emotions are right through this passage. Let, let's look at it again. I think what I've done, and I've done this in the past, is just highlight words that jump out to me. So let's reread the passage and um, let's... Uh, look at the emotional words that come through but I think it is necessary to send back to you Paphroditus my brother co-worker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger who you sent to take care of my needs for he longs for so he longs for all of you so what's happening here is there's a the emotion of separation and we feel that at the moment don't we I feel that at the moment so I can't see loved ones. Actually, I, I, can't, I can't hardly see anyone. I mean, obviously, I'm having quality time with Deb, which is a joy, but you would like to see Isaac, our grandchild, more. We had a bubble with him for a while. We're not bubbling anymore. It's just like, ah! Oh! See, he longs for all of you, and he's distressed because he, you heard he was ill. So he's worried about how they're feeling because he knows that he's unwell. Well, too many of us know those tensions. I know friends of mine at the moment that are unwell. We pray for them in the name of Jesus that you would keep uh, dear friends well. And then uh, Paul goes on to say, indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me. The impact of people that you love being unwell. And he goes on to spare me sorrow. I'm really sad that someone's poorly. But sorrow upon sorrow. Because in God's mercy, he raised him up. And that's what we're praying for many we know that are, are unwell right now, even. So there's real depth here of emotions, isn't there? He goes on, therefore... I'm all the more eager to send him so that you may see him again and may be glad. And I may have less anxiety. I mean, a lot of us are living with a degree of anxiety. In fact, what the crisis has done is taken things that are maybe there in our lives and just turned up the volume on them. So if you were feeling lonely before the crisis, then the more separation has made you, it's just exacerbated. If you are... Uh, uh, an anxious person, a fearful person, then there's a lot, you know, just like every day on a news cycle, just hearing of this and that is enough to kind of, you know, make you be on edge. And then he goes on, so then welcome him in the Lord with great joy, with great joy. And I'm looking forward to moments like that when, you know, we can embrace again. What a day. What a day when we can gather back all together and worship and sing. What a day. What a day there'll be, yeah? You just think about that. I mean, it's okay being online and I know you haven't got to walk far to get to your front room to watch it, but I trust you, it's going to be nothing like when we get back in the building and we worship and the Holy Spirit lifts our hearts. I mean, we weep together, I suspect, as we embrace one another. What a day. It will come. What a day. Now, emotions... I think emotions are great friends, but they're not good masters. Emotions are good friends, but they're not good 
masters. Um, Nelson Mandela famously said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And so therefore the challenge for us is to allow emotions to help us. They guide, they're like helpful guides and they're important to process them. And without them, life would be really dull. There wouldn't be the joy of a party or the sadness of grieving. And they're important to own. And that's what the Apostle Paul does here. He doesn't kind of not own it, doesn't dismiss them. He kind of embraces them and journeys through with them. They are helpful. And they are necessary. But how we process them, how we journey with them is really critical because they are not good masters, emotions. They're good friends, but they're not good masters. And therefore, sometimes you have to take action because of how you're feeling. And this is what the Apostle Paul does. He, um, he takes action. Actually, it takes quite remarkable action here. It says in verse uh, 25, I think it is, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. So this is radical. This is a change of location, a different place to live, a returning home. It's a big move. It's not just a little tweak or adjustment, which I guess is what most of us need to do at the moment. This is a big decision. I'm going to send this, your messenger that provide this financial need for me uh, uh, and cared for me, I'm now going to send him back to you. It's a big move. And I just want to land these last few moments with a few very practical pastoral uh, suggestions that will help us through this season, especially. The first is cultivate a grateful heart. Count your blessings. Um, I try and do that. When I'm thinking about the fact that I can't go on holiday again, I, I'm grateful that I have been on holiday in the past. I know that's, that's just the way I'm wired, okay? Remember that comparison kills joy. If you compare yourself to other people, or they're more gifted, they're better looking, they're thinner, whatever it is, trust me, it will not go well with you. Comparison is a joy killer. Comparison on how blessed you are compared to others, that's a joy bringer. So sometimes when I think of the challenges we face, I count my blessings of all that I do have rather than what I don't have. So count your blessings. Secondly, adjust your rhythm. One of the challenges this season has been is that for some of us, the separation between home and work or the blurring of boundaries Kids at home all the time, uh, no quality time for yourself or for your uh, husband or wife together. It's just all got blurred. And so therefore you have to continually adjust your rhythm of life um, to get rest, to have a Sabbath. Thirdly, I think this is such a take regular physical exercise. There's research done that says that for low and mild depression, regular fix exercise is as effective as medication. 
And I know my, if I'm walking and I tend to pray, speak in tongues when I walk, that, that it goes, goes better with me. If I get so busy I can't get out for a walk or the weather's so cold I, I kind of resist wrapping up warm, then it, I find that my physical and emotional and spiritual health is improved through physical exercise. Because you process life. You're, for me, I speak in tongues and pray a lot. Uh, and I think a lot on the space it provides. I'm still trying to do my 10,000 steps. I failed for six months just to keep it open here because of my health challenge. But I'm, I'm returning. I, I'm, I want you to know I'm returning. And so I think physical exercise is really important. Now, if the doctor has given you medication, take it. Take the pill. Okay, don't misunderstand me. Take the pill and walk. Uh, but I want to encourage you, get out, even in the rain. Get off the sofa. Do some exercise. It will be good for you. Fourthly, reflect on what you believe, think and feel. And particularly reflect on the self-talk, the inner tapes, the internal voice, which is, connects what you believe, what you think and what you feel. Because what your internal voice says to you will impact not only what you think, but also will impact how you feel. And this is what the whole Freedom in Christ course looks at. It talks about applying biblical truth and changing the tapes to, to, to those that are shaped out of scripture and takes captive every thought. And I want to recommend that course to you. There's resources and the teaching series there, all free on the website if you're interested. Fifthly, we've provided some very practical courses coming in the next week, next uh, Thursday, Freedom from Fear and Anxiety Seminar. You can sign for that, be online. And then there is a bereavement journey course that has started. So if you're walking through that season, then please um, sign up for that. And lastly, take a step. Take a, more, a small step today. A, a little adjustment that will improve your emotional health and it will help us all get through this demanding series. So what we've seen here is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle and the Pastor. And right in the middle of a great cause, a great mission, we've had a glimpse of the interplay, interrelationship between Paul and Epaphroditus. We've seen the pastor, we've seen the emotions, we've seen him take action and I want to encourage you to do the same. Let's pray together. Lord, we, uh, uh, Lord, we come to you at this time and this season. We thank you for this teaching series so relevant to life that we're walking through, living at the moment. And I want to pray, Lord, for every person here, every person listening, wherever they're sitting, however they're feeling, whatever circumstance they're walking through. We know some are grieving loss, some are worried because of loved ones with COVID now. 
Some are overrun because of work right on the front line. Some lacking purpose because they've been furloughed and it was great to start with, but now they just wish they had more to do. Just normal life on pause. And Lord, we confess it's impacting us all. And uh, Lord, in differing degrees, it's really tough. And Lord, we're glad that we see in these few verses a great apostle, a great apostle who wrote Philippians 2, is just written about this, you know, have the same attitude as Christ, this remarkable revelation of what Christ has done. And then into this pastoral moment where we glimpse the, the depth of friendship, companionship, and the emotions both uh, full of joy and full of sadness. And we pray, Lord, as we continue to be faithful to you, that you would be with us as we walk through this season. And however we're feeling, you'd, you'd help us process those feelings. Lord, for some, we, we just need a cry. For some, we need more resilience. We've got to kind of be more soldier-like as well to battle through because that's what's needed in this season. Uh, but we ask for your grace into it all. And I ask for every person here to know you, the touch of the Holy Spirit right in their lives now, bringing peace and comfort, healing. In Jesus' name, amen.